Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's D.A. All right, and a happy Wednesday to you, everybody. D.A. with you here on CBS Sports Radio, coming your way this hour. Chris Kleiman's going to join us, Kansas State head coach, in 20 minutes. Big 12 media days this week, and Kansas State won the Big 12 last year. It kind of probably gets lost a little bit because TCU ended up going to the college football playoff anyway, but TCU lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game with that thriller in overtime. And so the Wildcats in Kleiman's fourth season winning the Big 12, there was a lot of questions about whether Kleiman could work in Manhattan, work in a Power 5 conference, work in Division 1, because he was incredibly successful at North Dakota State, but it was FCS. And there's always this question about whether success at FCS can translate to Division 1 FBS. Kleiman won four national championships at North Dakota State, in five years, four and five years, and then ends up in Manhattan, and in year number four, they win the Big 12. So clearly the guy's a good head coach and just signed an eight-year extension to stay at Kansas State. So we'll talk to the defending Big 12 champs head coach coming up in 20 minutes. Also in 40 minutes, Justin Jefferson ranks his top five quarterbacks, and guess who's not on the list? Last night, All-Star Game in Seattle. National League finally gets off the schneid. Eight straight years of losing to the American League finally broken up last night as the National League wins 3-2. Fun weekend festivities, All-Star festivities in Seattle. Seattle put on a great show. The affection, the love that that town has for Julio Rodriguez is, is pretty amazing. I mean, Julio is so young. It's not like he's been there 10 years. It's not like they've won a World Series or had this long run of success. But they're just dying, dying for a winner and dying for baseball to be back. And so it was a great display by the city of the fans, the energy, the crowd, the crowd chanting to Shohei Otani, come to Seattle, come to Seattle. That was an amazing moment last night. I thought it was cool that the Fox broadcast actually asked the guys that were mic'd up would you do the same pick to Shohei Otani? I think it was Freddie Freeman who said, no, that'd be tampering. Can't do that. <laughs> but that was that was a cool moment, and the city of Seattle just shone bright on the big stage. And goodness, do they need a winner. But Julio Rodriguez shares that affection, and it is a city that has 
players and former players that understand what a wonderful part of the country that it is and what a great fan base and sports city that it is. So many Sonics and Mariners and Seahawks stay in Seattle. They live there full-time after they retire. And if the Mariners ever got good again consistently, look out. Because when they were good between the mid-90s to early 2000s, the Griffey years, the A-Rod years, the Randy Johnson years, it was incredible. Ichiro, it was it was explosive. And they just got a bit of a taste of that. A taste last season, breaking the drought to get to the postseason. But kind of dire straits again this year, but you could just see with Julio Rodriguez, it's this hope that he becomes what they've waited for for so long. So I thought that was cool from All-Star Weekend and nationally winning a couple of web gems at the at the fence, robbing some extra base hits, and the National League ends up with the victory. One of the things I also thought was cool was Oakland A's fans showing up and showing out still, refusing to go down. Now, this is a fighter that's gone 12 rounds and is staggered and bloody, and everybody around him saying, throw in the towel, throw in the towel, the fight's over, you have lost. And the A's fans refuse to go down. Eyes swollen and bloody. Blood pouring out of his mouth. Sweaty, stitched up. Got nothing left of the tank. And they won't say die. They will not throw in the towel. Everybody around baseball, specifically the commissioner's office, is telling them, you lost the team. They're going to Las Vegas. Ballpark set. Relocation process is underway. Give it up. That's what Rob Manfred has told A's fans. Give it up. When A's fans had the great turnout for the reverse boycott a month ago, and they've averaged 7,000 fans this season per game at a toilet bowl of a stadium for a toilet bowl of a team, They got 28,000 on the reverse boycott night. The fans are out there. And Manfred has poo-pooed it. Who cares? Oh, good to finally see a regular season crowd at the stadium. And yet, A's fans have shown up in Seattle for the last couple of days throughout the weekend with signs, with hats, saying don't take the team. That's diehard. That is commitment. So much so that during the game last night, I pop on Twitter and I see hashtag sell the team is trending. I mean, come on. During the all-star game, baseball's jewel event, it's happy-go-lucky, everything's great with baseball. Look at this wonderful platform and event. A's fans are getting hashtag sell the team trending enough to give Rob Manfred Ajda. I loved it. Loved it. You know, and Rob Manfred said yesterday that the relocation process is underway. Again, tell Oakland A's fans back off. This is over. And yet, hypocrisy. Because as Rob Manfred and the baseball powers that be 
want to insist, go away, A's fans. Go away. Oh, you showed up to your cute little reverse boycott. Who cares? Nice to finally see you show up. That's what the message was. Manfred said something interesting yesterday. He said that the application to relocate is not complete at this point. Why? Because while the ballpark that needs to be built, retractable roof stadium in Vegas, got the funding from the Nevada lawmakers, quote, our relocation guidelines spell out clearly what needs to be included. One of the things is what's going to happen during the interim period. They have not made a submission on that topic. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, what it means is before the retractable roof stadium is built, where the hell are you going to play in June, July, and August in Las Vegas? Where? NBA Summer League is going on right now. I got a couple of friends out there covering Summer League. They sent me the temperatures as they went golfing the other day. 108. But it feels like 107. How the hell are you going to play baseball in 108 for three years before the ballpark is built? How the hell can you do that? You can't. So until they get that figured out, the application process is not finalized. And so what Rob Manfred and baseball should say is this isn't complete yet because you got to get from A to point B. And the only way you can do so is either you stay in Oakland in the decrepit ballpark that you are so trying to flee until the moment you can open up the new one in Vegas or you don't really have a solution. Building a ballpark four years from now isn't really a solution because you've got to get from point A to point B. You can't just click a button and then suddenly it's 2028. That's the first thing. The second thing that Manfred said yesterday, which was just filled with hypocrisy, is my single biggest disappointment is that because of the kind of political process in Oakland, We didn't find a solution to keep the A's in Oakland. That's number one on the disappointment list. Stop it. That is so disingenuous. So disingenuous. Has it been troublesome to get public funding to get a stadium built? Yes, as it often is in the state of California. But what every other team has done that has stayed is found a way to work on it privately, to get enough private funds to make the two sides work. For Stan Kroenke, taking a team from St. Louis to California meant I have to build the stadium myself. And guess what the NFL did when cost overruns pushed it billions of dollars more? They said, we'll give you a loan through the league or We'll spend some money, league money, because we want to be there. Okay? The Giants stayed in San Francisco, found private money for their ballpark. The Warriors went to San Francisco, found private money for their arena. Levi Stadium, built with a percentage of 
private funding. In San Diego, the Chargers had to move because they couldn't find the money, but they went to a stadium that was built privately. This is how it works in California. So for Rob Manfred to be like, it's my number one disappointment that we didn't find a solution, the kind of political process in Oakland, it hasn't been different than any other process for any other ballpark or stadium. It's been the same. In fact, Oakland has come further with public money than a lot of those other ballparks or stadiums that were financed. But here's where Manfred is disingenuous. He hasn't wanted to stay because there is a clear path to make it stay. He can make it stay. The owners can make them stay. The Oakland A's can be a thing. One of two things. A, tell John Fisher to sell the team to an owner that wants to keep it in the Bay Area, like Lakeup, who owns the Warriors, who says, I want to keep it here. Okay, that's the first part. That's an easy solution. You know what? You don't want it. You want to move it. We want it to be here. We want you to sell the team to this owner. You make billions of dollars, and we want to keep it in Oakland. That's the first thing that can happen. That's not happening. Number two is you go to the league coffers and say, let's make up the $80 million that separates the two sides between public money and what the A's have to put up. We'll get the $80 million on a loan like Kroenke got from the NFL. It's only $80 million, which is a rounding error for this league. And say, we made up the difference. We get the stadium, the ballpark built at Howard Terminal. We want it in Oakland, and now the team stays. And we'll go expansion for Vegas. But Manfred sits here and goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm just so disappointed we couldn't get it done. While also thumbing his nose and making fun, sneering at the reverse boycott attendance figures. You can't have it both ways. You can't act like, man, I'm just so sorry it didn't happen. While making fun of the fans that want it to happen and not going the extra mile to make it happen. He's a hypocrite. So I was happy to see sell the team trending yesterday during the All-Star game where Manfred wants this to be his jewel event and during it, he can't escape the fact that he has totally screwed this whole thing up by letting John Fisher, a crook, a terrible owner, drive the team into the ground. Manfred hasn't said, uh, yeah, no, John, you can't make it a minor league team. Hasn't said that. Hasn't said, no, John, we got to put some money into the Coliseum. You can't let fans go to that, go to a place where a possum runs the press box. Can't do that. Nope. Hasn't stopped John Fisher one way or the other. Oh, and by the way, the relocation process is underway, even though there's nowhere to play for the next three years in 108-degree heat in Vegas. Does this sound like Rob Manfred has exhausted all options? Or it's, I'm tired of what's going on in in Oakland. They're going to give us more money in Vegas. Let's just do it. Who cares what the optics are? Let's just do it. Let's make the optics look like what we want. Oh, no one's showing up in Oakland. Oh, wow, we got to move. Don't sit here and cry the crocodile tears of, I'm just so sorry we couldn't get it done. Give me a break. When we come back here on the show, Chris Kleiman's going to join us, Kansas State head coach, as the Wildcats look to defend their Big 12 crown. And Big 12 Media Days is here this week. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. 
Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Where death by salsa is the least of your concerns. The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to CBS Sports Radio, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Damon Amendolara, DA with you. You can listen to us in hundreds of affiliates nationwide across the great CBS Sports Radio network and also on Sirius XM Channel 158. What a year it was last season for Kansas State football. They end up winning the Big 12, that thriller over TCU in overtime to clinch the championship and a trip to the Sugar Bowl. And now K-State Wildcat fans get to look forward to a lot of their head coach who signed an extension back in May that carries through 2030. Joining us this morning here on the show is the head coach of the Wildcats, defending Big 12 champs, Chris Kleiman. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Man, a lot of energy and a momentum burst after last season. So what's the energy and vibe like going into Big 12 Media Days this week? Yeah, it's... Uh, uh really high. It's at its peak. Um, we had a really good athletic year here at K-State with uh, us winning the Big 12 and the men getting to the Elite Eight. And there's just a, a ton of energy uh, around the university, around the community. And uh, uh, we know that uh, last year is last year and it's done. But uh, uh, our guys, I think, especially the ones that are coming back that had substantial roles, uh, understand that um, it wasn't easy and it's going to take uh Great focus, great effort during fall camp, and that comes up here in a couple of weeks. Have you sent gift baskets to the Big 12 media who did you a favor and voted you number two in the preseason poll? Because now you have the Big 12 defending champs, and you have something to hang in the locker room and help motivate your guys. 
Well, I was hoping we'd be picked sixth, seventh, or eighth somewhere okay. down there. Uh, <laughs> last last year we were picked fifth, I, I believe. Somebody told me we were picked fifth or sixth last year and found a way to uh, to win. But I, I mean, the polls are the polls. It uh, doesn't uh, dictate, to, in my mind, anything. Um, yeah, it, uh, it, it's nice for the guys to have something that. Uh, uh, people think that there's a chance for for us to have some success, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, we we won a lot of really close games last year uh, against teams that maybe were picked above us, but some that were picked uh, below us as well. And so uh, I just I don't get caught up in that stuff. Uh, I, I don't want our players to because I don't want them to feel uh, overconfident that we were picked second because uh, there's a lot of work to do. And and uh, I I know this our league's so deep that uh, every Saturday you can get knocked off if you don't have your best game. Well, specifically this year, it's historically deep because there's 14 teams in the Big 12, the two that may, that will depart, Oklahoma and Texas, and then four that are entering the league as well. So everybody is in one big basket for one year. How does that change the complexion of the league? You know, it, it'll be interesting um, just because we don't play full round robin. You know, we're not playing everybody, so that's the one thing that is really unique. Um, you, you knew in the past that they had to get through certain schools or every school or have this one on the road. And now we have uh, a couple of schools that we're not going to play this year, which is kind of strange not to play a West Virginia, not to play in Oklahoma, but then there's a lot more work for us uh, behind the scenes because we've never played central Florida. We've never played Houston. We're doing a lot more uh, lead up time on those, on those two schools getting caught up and trying to learn more and more about their personnel and about their schemes. Chris Kleiman is the head coach of Kansas State, the defending Big 12 champs, heading into Big 12 media days and big expectations again this season. Hey, let's go back to early December, the Big 12 title game. You guys take it on number three, TCU, undefeated TCU. You had lost to the Horned Frogs earlier in the season, and then you get them in overtime in the Big 12 title game. What did it feel like to complete the task that you had inherited and complete it with a a Big 12 championship and doing it that way against that foe? Well, it uh, it was a great football game, and the people that uh, watched it or were there uh, will tell me it was one of the best games they'd ever been ever seen or ever watched on television, and it was an epic game with two, two really good football teams. And, uh, you know, we lost to TCU in Fort Worth in the middle of the season and uh, had, a pretty, had a pretty good lead at halftime and, and give uh, – uh, those guys credit. They they did a great job in the second half, made some really good adjustments and beat us. So our, so our players, I think, knew uh, going into AT&T Stadium that we had a chance and we could play with these guys and that uh, um, if we played our best game, we could sure enough come out on top. And I thought we played uh, a, a really good game against uh, one of the best teams in the country. And we got a couple of stops and, and uh, made some plays in the uh, pass game and, and then the run game and, and found a way to uh, to have a huge win in overtime to get a big stop on fourth down. It was kind of uh, a strength coach's dream to get a two fourth down or two a third down stop inside the one, a fourth down stop inside the one. That's everything you work on all during the off season uh, through your strength and conditioning, and then to um, kick the game winner Ty Zentner, um, who's with the Eagles now. Uh, drilled a, a a field goal for us to get the big win. So it was a um, Great football game that uh, we were really excited to, you know, kind of put a stamp on that season. You were dominant as the head coach of North Dakota State. I mean, it was either a championship or the semifinal of the championship all five years that you were there. 
at Nodak State. And then you took over K-State, and there were questions about whether or not somebody from FCS could rise to FBS and win there. And last year in your fourth season in Manhattan, you win the, the Big 12. Did you feel vindication for those that doubted whether you'd be able to do it at the next level? Um, well, I, I've been saying this since I got the job here. Football is football. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of kids at the FCS level that can play at the Power 5 level. Um, and maybe it's not as deep, but uh, you know, we had pretty good success when we were at North Dakota State playing Power 5 schools. I don't think we lost to them when, when we were there during my time as an assistant or as a head coach. Um, but I just think there was great validation uh, from our entire team about us finishing a journey that we started our, in our fourth year, and we, we struggled in the pandemic uh, here, as, as a lot of schools did, but we really struggled. And then we kind of re rewrote some things and, and came up with a kind of a, a new philosophy in January of 2021 after the, uh, after the pandemic. And it really kind of took off and our kids took great ownership beginning in January of 2021. And we ended up beating a good LSU team in the, in the Texas bowl in that season. And then 2022, I think we had the perfect storm of, of the right amount of seniors, the right amount of really good leadership. We had a, a total difference maker on offense in Deuce Vaughn and a total difference maker in Felix Anudiku's I'm on defense. Uh, and so just getting that validation that uh, um, maybe what we were doing is the right way uh, and doing it the right way as best we can with uh, developing kids here at Kansas State. Yeah, we're going to get a couple kids out of the portal. We're going to lose a couple kids out of the portal uh, or to the portal. That's That's college football now. But we had so many kids that had developed and been with us those four, four years. That was great uh, validation for all those guys. You signed an eight-year extension two months ago, which carries through 2030. That's a long time away. So you, you believe clearly in where you are. Why is this a good fit for you, and why do you feel comfortable? Because I'm sure there, in the coaching world there's always opportunities to move that you feel like this is the right spot for you for the foreseeable future? Well, it's all because of Gene Taylor. Um, Gene Taylor's, uh, I think, the best athletic director in, in college athletics, and uh, that was proven out this year by him winning the NACTA Athletic Director of the Year. Uh, and when you work for, for somebody that believes in you for starters, um, Gene, uh, I say, took a chance on me at North Dakota State uh, to be the head coach, and then um, – not very many people make that jump from FCS to Power Five, and I was able to do that because of Gene. Um, I, I love the man, and uh, working for him is um, something that is very easy because uh, he has your back and he goes to bat for you. Uh, and so that part of it is great when you have somebody that you work with uh, that you're so close with and, and are, have a lot of the same values uh, and are aligned together. And I love our staff. We've had most of the people that have been here with us, the full four, going on our fifth year, um, that are great fathers, they're great husbands, our support staff's really good. Um, there's a lot of belief in our program, uh, from the locker room to strength staff to the coaches. Uh, and, and guys take ownership. And uh, our players do, our coaches do, and, and that's not easy to do. And uh, I think this is a great place. It's a gold mine that Coach Snyder built. And uh, we're just continuing to build on what he already did. Uh, but uh, I'm excited. Manhattan's a, a great community. We've got an unbelievable, passionate fan base. And this place is rocking on, uh, on Saturday afternoons. And so this is a, the place that I want to be right now. 
it's a pretty magical place in a lot of ways. If you if you drive out to Manhattan, it is tucked away. It's its own little world. But when you come over that hill and you see the stadium and the complex and the power cats insignias, and you go to a, a game on on one of those fall Saturdays, you're like, man, this this is this is good stuff out there. This is really really beautiful college football scenery and and culture. So there is something there that. I don't know. It's it's a little enchanting when you're out there on a Saturday afternoon and, and watching everybody come come out for for K State football, isn't it? It it really is. I mean, we pull up and, and the tailgate lots are full, and we have great parking here. So you so our players uh, we park in front of the tailgate lots, and our players kind of walk through uh, and uh, kind of fist bump all the young kids and stuff. And I mean, it is an electric atmosphere. Uh, and and we talk to people all the time when you know talk about how high recruiting. I said, just come out and see it. If we can get uh, young men and their families to just come out and check us out, especially on a game day, they're going to see uh, a passionate fan base. They're going to that they're going to know the kids' names for starters, and uh, it, it's just an electric atmosphere in a small town community. But uh, they love their athletics here, and it's uh, it's fun. I mean, I get goosebumps every time I run out of that tunnel um, to start the game off. That uh, boy, it's important, and that's what you want as a as a coach is the place that you're at where it's really, really important. And that's, that's the passion of the fan base that I really enjoy. Chris Kleiman is the head coach at Kansas state winners of the big 12 last season, coming off a sugar bowl appearance and ranked high in the preseason rankings as big 12 media days has arrived, which is a good sign. The college football has arrived, which is great coach. It's great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Enjoy media days. And hopefully we'll talk this season again. Hey, appreciate you having me. Have a great one. Done a great job. Chris Kleiman, head coach, Kansas State, joining us this morning here on the show. If you're wondering what the preseason rankings are in the Big 12, K-State, who won the league last year, is at number two. Texas is ranked number one. So the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian, who have not lived up to the billing the last couple of years and under Sark, have plenty farther to go. If they win the Big 12 on their way out the door, that would be an interesting storyline. Number three is Oklahoma, also in their final season in the Big 12. After that, Texas Tech at number four and TCU at number five. Of course, the Horned Frogs had the magical season last year, which ends in the college football playoff. Nearly a national championship. Standing by with your headlines this morning, here is a kind sir, Andrew Bogish. DA, remember those old emails that got John Gruden fired in Vegas? Uh, they came out as the commanders were being investigated for a hostile work environment. Gruden had sent some of those emails to former GM Bruce Allen. ESPN has a news story this morning about Gruden and Dan Snyder and others. Four anonymous owners say Roger Goodell personally approved the leak of those Gruden emails as a personal attack, but it may have been Snyder instead, or it could have been former union boss Demora Smith, who was trying to save his job at that time. The Wall Street Journal released the first Gruden email on the day Smith was facing a player vote. He was eventually reelected for a fifth term by a single vote. Also from the NFL, if you have a top 15 or top 20 or top 25 giant podcast, you might need to do an emergency episode on this. <laughs> no chance. Unless you're on vacation wearing a stupid hat that you keep showing everybody on social media. <laughs> uh, projected starting. Or picture of the road. Yeah, Giants middle linebacker Jared Davis reportedly is out long term following undisclosed surgery this summer.
And now we can get to last night's All-Star Game in Seattle. The first one since 2012 that the National League actually won. Two on, two out, and a 2-2 pitch. Ramirez swings and misses. Kimbrell slams the door. The National League's finally back on top. It's first All-Star Game win since 2012. Joe Davis on Fox. Phillies closer Craig Kimbrell got the save, K-ing Jose Ramirez with two men on. After Rockies catcher Elias Diaz drilled a go-ahead two-run homer in the top of the eighth, Diaz is the first Colorado player to win All-Star Game MVP. Marlins second baseman Luisa Rise got two hits on two pitches as he chased his 400 during the regular season. Jays closer Jordan Romano did not finish his inning because of lower back tightness. Before the game, Union Chief Tony Clark said players would like to add some time to the pitch clock or something else to let the game breathe more before the postseason. Rob Manfred said they'll talk, but the league doesn't like changing rules during a season. Uh, We can't use the F word, but Zion Williamson is not thin, as we know. (laughs) And Zion knows it, too, and he's trying to fix it. It is hard, but uh, I'm at that point now where because of certain things, putting back, like, the wisdom around me, a bunch of, like, I don't want to say older because they take offense to it. (laughs) I'm just putting people around me with wisdom, put me on game to certain things, and just go from there, though. So that's Zion on Gilbert Arenas' podcast, uh, and that question seemed to come either before or after the actual session because Zion's not on mic anymore. That's why the quality is not great. It's the most important thing he said, uh, that he's trying to keep his weight in check. (laughs) Zion has only played 114 games over four seasons because of various injuries and health issues. Northwestern football is keeping its assistant coaches and support staff, so only head coach Pat Fitzgerald appears to be losing his job for the team's hazing scandal. Fitzgerald's lawyers said yesterday his client was fired for cause, but the school has not not said yet if it's keeping the remaining $40 million on Fitzgerald's contract. And finally, WNBA action last night. The Aces, a 98-72 win over the Mercury. They're now 18-2 this season, and the Mystics outscored the Storm 93-86. Bogues, Moist Pork on uh, Twitch chat said that uh, Zion should listen to Taylor Swift's new hit single, Don't Be Fat. Right? <laughs> yep. It's taking over the charts right now. Moist Pork also also with me on how terrible the National League looked last night. I, Just aesthetically. I, yeah, you can't can't have navy blue jersey, black pants. It's just not oh, a thing. Those two colors God. together don't work. Uh, Moist came to my defense on Twitter that everybody should know that should that somebody should be fired. That's how bad the NL uniforms were last year. Now it happens every single year. I disagree with you guys. These all-star uniforms are just straight trash, all of them. How? You guys didn't think last night's looked great? I I love them. First of all, as DA and I have said more than once, everybody should be wearing their own uniforms. We don't need team uniforms. The American League ensemble last night was acceptable. The NLs was not. It was so bad. And Nike keeps doing this. Dark pants, dark jersey. It doesn't look good. And look, I'll admit, I don't know what a 12-year-old thinks is cool now. So if 12-year-olds think that those jerseys and that ensemble is fine, then so be it. But the only reason we're doing this and we've gone away from wearing your original jerseys, which we did in the 80s and 90s, is that they just want to sell more jerseys. So if if you make a unique jersey... 
then these stupid fans buy these awful jerseys. Have you ever seen a fan wearing an all-star jersey? It's hideous. Yeah. They're usually yellow or red or orange. It's like, oh, God, just buy your team's normal jersey. It's way better than the all-star jersey. They're all hideous. But you know what, D.A.? Hey, must be the money. <laughs> if you want to buy an all-star game jersey with me, come in the mountain. Oh, why must I buy this jersey? <laughs> hey, must, must be, the, be money. the money. Money. <laughs> they even though the last all-star game in Seattle was 2001, and they were still wearing their individual unis for that game. Say, come on. Quite Californian tweets in, what's the number to call in? I am exactly what you guys need for this job. MBA international management degree, fat farm boy, <laughs> sp- sports nut, barbecue master, ex-wrestling nerd for Pete, winemaker and current whiskey maker. Wow. Okay. O- okay. That sounds overqualified. That sounds like maybe we got some potential here. Any sports on that resume? Well, sports. the show's not really about that. How are your <laughs> bowels? Steven in South Carolina says, D.A., I think I'd be a great fit. I feel like I look like Mraz. I'm extremely passionate about sports, especially my favorite teams. I have a ring camera. I make make terrible jokes. I'm definitely a hard hat guy. I love food. I don't eat fruits and vegetables. I would get along with Pete because I like wrestling, but would probably push his buttons because I think it's funny. Steven in South Carolina. Okay, so... Maybe we're starting to step up some of the the potential candidates here (laughs) for the job. Now, we do have Daniel, who's in Kansas, waiting on hold to interview for the position. Daniel, good morning. How are you? Good morning, DA. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. Tell me, do you have any background in media or radio? Uh, Yeah, I actually graduated with a degree in journalism, and silly me... I'm about your age, and when I graduated college, uh, newspapers were still doing great. So I decided, oh, hey, I like to write. I love sports. I'm going to be a, a sports writer for a newspaper. And, of course, uh, later on, the Internet decided to kill newspapers, and now I no longer use that degree that I uh, went to college for. Mm. And so what did you transition to doing for your career? I actually transitioned into semi-truck driving because it actually paid more than my actual newspaper job. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame and, you. You know, I've yeah. got to provide for that family. That does not surprise me. Truck driving is actually a pretty lucrative career these days. I like it. Okay, so tell me, why do you think you'd be a good fit for the DA show? I'd be a good fit because I was actually born for this job uh, growing up in the 80s watching the browns fail in the uh afc championships that just filled up my passion for sports and uh i'm also a goofy guy i like to joke around i like i also like puns like my i i feel like my puns are better than Mraz's, but my <laughs> wife and daughter disagree they think my puns are awful so i morty would still have a job once i if i were hired for the job okay good we always need a few corny zingers uh tell me what would you do differently than Mraz? uh differently from Mraz would definitely be my professionalism 
And obviously, with a writing background, I absolutely love to write. Just give me the format, uh, you know, give me the content, the thing I'm supposed to write about, and I will knock that out uh, faster than you, than you, than uh, than a uh, Justin Verlander fastball. Okay. Uh, so when you get the when you get the you know rundowns in the morning, it'll be uh, spelled correctly. It'll make sense. Oh, uh, you won't be like, "What is he supposed to be saying here?" Right. Okay. And finally, how would you make a good teammate for Pete the Body? As a good as good teammate for Pete the Body. Now, I grew up hating wrestling. So I guess I'm going to have to start watching old wrestling, uh, uh, you know, the major events, so I can kind of get an idea of what uh, Pete's talking about when it comes to wrestling. Uh, other other than that, you know, I'm not super loud, so he's not going to have to cover his ears all the time. Uh, you know, I'm not going to uh, basically be a jerk. Right and sitting right beside him, so I, I feel like he would be a little more relaxed next to me than he would with Mraz. Gotcha. Okay, all good stuff. Hey, Daniel, where did you write? What publication did you write for? I wrote in a paper in Winter Haven, Florida, uh, and so this was back when the uh, Cleveland Indians were still doing their spring training in Winter Haven. So I did a lot of. Uh, I did a lot of Indian spring training. Uh, I did some NASCAR and obviously, you know, a lot of the local high school type things. And what's the Winter Haven newspaper or was? Uh, It's the news chief. It's still in operation. Uh, It was uh, connected to the Lakeland newspaper, but I don't know if that's changed since then. Okay. Yeah, the Winter Haven news chief, the Lakeland ledger. Okay, very good. Daniel in Kansas has applied for the job. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, DA. Okay, nice job. All right, so we got a newspaper writer there. That's good. That's some background in the position. Background, at least in the in the profession, rather. What a deep answer to what would you do differently than Sean? And he said, be professional. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And as he said that, Cap posted a picture of Mraz in this ridiculous hat that he's wearing on vacation. <laughs> and I saw a, ga- a gasp come up from, from Pat. It, Boyle audibly gasped at that hat. The hat's ridiculous. Sean's hat? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had some choice words for it, but I can't say them. I don't understand what it's supposed to be. Like, is he in boys to men? Is he at the bada bing? Was it in his back pocket the whole time? It's all crumble. It's not. The issue is, it's it's almost none of those things. It looks like the hat that the kid in Bronx Tale wears in the 1950s that that has. That has to be straightened out by his girlfriend because he's wearing it incorrectly. It's, it's, he's the kids in the, the kid in Bronx Tale who who guest starred in Boys to Men when they played <laughs> at the bottom end. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. It's 
so bad. He look the hat like he the hat screams. Please punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I first saw it, he was wearing a, like a very loud like Hawaiian shirt kind of thing. So he actually looks like a guy who works like in a in a boxing gym that like takes right. bets. He should have a toothpick in the corner of his mouth. Yes, that's what he looks. What he looks like. Twenty dollars eighth round. So you want fifty dollars on Sonny Fast Hands Ferguson? He's got a nickname like Mickey Knuckles or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Boys to man. Shawnee rolls. He looks more like he performed in Boys to Ham. Oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, no Morty either. That was okay. No, that was a good one. Okay. When we come back here on the show, should Justin Jefferson have ranked his own quarterback higher? DA, CBS Sports Radio. You can listen to us on hundreds of affiliates nationwide as well as... Sirius XM Channel 158. From reporter Danilo Lacalle, he interviewed Justin Jefferson and asked Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings, who his top five QBs are. He put Patrick Mahomes one. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Number three, Joe Burrow, his former teammate at LSU. Number four, Jalen Hurts. And number five, Josh Allen. Notably absent from the list of top five quarterbacks is Justin Jefferson's own quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Now, I'll be honest. Most people in this situation just put their quarterback in there because they got to take care of their boy and they want to protect their touches and their targets and their catches and their teammate and stuff like this. But I actually respect Justin Jefferson for not doing that because there is no sane person on the planet, even a teammate of Kirk's, maybe especially a teammate of Kirk's, that could think he's better than any of those other five QBs. I think it's interesting that Justin Jefferson has Aaron Rodgers as the number two quarterback in the NFL, maybe because he watched him in Green Bay for the last... That's accurate, but... I don't think that Jefferson needed to or should have put his teammate Cousins on that list. If we get to the top 10 and Cousins still isn't on there, maybe there's an axe to grind. Maybe we can read into that, that Jefferson doesn't think his quarterback's all that good. Certainly top 15, Jefferson's got to have him on there. But top five QBs, no. Not going to blame Jefferson for leaving. I did Lee Ho, neighbor. Off of the top five list. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.